0: God's people with one voice said, "Amen." amen. Amen. Turn and greet. (laughs) 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 All right, if you'll return to your places and stand, we're going to sing again and rejoice in this Holy Spirit that we've been given.
1: spring. What's in store? I am longing for more. Living water, deep within me, saturate my soul. Like a river, break the levee.
2: Pray for our hearts to be right. Pray for us to be a testimony to the lost that we rub shoulders with every single day. This morning, um, one of our Mexican guys, Jorge, you've probably all met him, he's, he just left to go preach out at Prince of Peace Church, out at Robertson Road. It's the first time. So, so let's pray for him. He's a guy that we ran into, uh, well, Pat back here ran into when we were doing door-to-door ministry last year. We just went knocking on doors and handing gift bags and giving out New Testaments and sharing with people, and uh, Pat ran into Jorge, and now he's at the place where he's preaching his first sermon out of principally pious let's pray for him this morning also i'd like for us to pray you know we had a mission team went to mexico i think next next week we'll share a little bit about our mission trip we're putting putting together some pictures uh, for that this week and um anyway let's keep mexico in our prayers there's a lot of need down there it's um uh, Increasingly, having some struggles with the drug cartels down there, but the church goes on. The church has to deal with that down there. The church has to uh, keep serving Christ uh, and keep praying for God to do a work. Last night, I was talking with one of our guys down there, uh, Luis Diaz. Uh, our team, we didn't have a get to meet him, but a- another. Another pastor that we work with down there. Once it's our another church, so let's pray for Luis Diaz today and his wife and his children. Uh, he's he's a guy that wants to share Christ with people, and um, I've known him for 25 years, and God's done a powerful work through him. So let's uh, let's pray for Luis Diaz today as he starts a new ministry. Father God, this morning we just want to give praise and glory to you for the privilege we have to serve you, to walk with you. Thank you for our Hispanic ministries. I'm thankful for Jorge, for his family. I pray that you would just bless him as he goes and preaches your word for the first time. Give him confidence. Give him the Holy Spirit just to guide him, help him to share what's truth and from your word. Father, I thank you for all of our Hispanics that attend this church, and also we pray for those in Mexico. Thank you for our men, our women, our pastors, teachers, who are working down there to share the gospel of Christ with many, many people. I pray for Luis Diaz, who I for uh, extra prayer today. For him and his wife as they start a new new ministry. Give him a real servant's attitude and I pray that you'd use him for your glory. And thank you for our church. I just pray that you would bless us, help us to be all about sharing Christ with others as well. May your kingdom grow right here in Casper. Father, we do give you thanks also for the opportunity to share through tithes and offerings this morning. As we give, may you, be, you receive all the glory and be blessed. May it be used for your glory here on the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. If we could have some men come forward.
1: Would you teach me, would you teach me to buy?
0: make that true of us we cast down every idol the things that we think we can trust in uh, the things that our culture around us tells us that we can rest on Lord, it's all shifting sand you're the only thing we can depend on or we we voice that with our mouth i voice that with my mouth but all too often my life doesn't match up with it so lord help us teach us how to truly live this out we pray this in the name of jesus amen Read with me again this morning from 1 Peter, or 2 Peter. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Go ahead, Brenda, in Spanish.
3: El Señor no retarda su promesa, según algunos la tienen por tardanza, sino que es paciente para con nosotros, no queriendo que ninguno perezca.
0: Sino que todos proceden al arrepentimiento. Amen. Pastor Mike preached this last week. and He pointed out how the Thessalonica church was struggling. They uh, had a lot of persecution going on and they were crying out. How long, Lord? How long do we have to deal with this? And As a believer, we look around and we see out in the world around us, we see evil going on and we ask the same question. How long, Lord? And this verse answers that. He was patient with us. He was patient with me, and I'm grateful that he didn't just see my wickedness and drop in, but that he was patient toward me. I needed to repent, and I was on my way to perish as his first shows, and and he wasn't slow. Uh, he came, he came, and he brought his promise. So this next song reflects back on who we used to be and what we've been saved from and who we are now. So go ahead. it this morning.
4: If your kids are four years old through third grade, they can go to Children's Church. It's just right across the hall. should be a great time for them. Much better than listening to an old man talk. <laughs> when you're that age, anything's better than that. Really thankful for the worship team. I I came in early this morning and was just sitting back there, uh, giving them some of my notes for the scripture. I was just worshiping the Lord. I was just really blessed by how they they uh, they, get, they get ready to worship. I hope you know that they're, they're ready to lead you in worship. It's a blessing, and it's really, really good for my heart to come in here in the mornings and worship. I, I'm just astounded. I'm astounded as I look around this room this morning for the last few hours, Laura, and just, just see the the people that have impacted me in the 19 years that I've been in this church. Some of you recently, some of you for a a long time. And I'm just thankful for the ways that you guys have encouraged me and and just, just poured into me. And many of you don't even know. You don't even know. You just couldn't know. You can know the way that I, I see you in a moment, servant, and it just builds me up and lifts me up and encourages me to press on. And others of you, just your un, undeniable love for the Lord has encouraged me greatly, and I, I'm just, just astounded by it, Asto- astounded and thankful to be a pastor. God has he's made me a, a pastor a little over a year now, and it's been just insanely transformative. I, I just can't put words to it. I, I try, but I, I can't. It's been, he's just altered me. He's changed me into a different person. And I'm really thankful for that. And kind of just blown away, just observing myself in God's plan as he's, he's remaking me and, and giving me uh, another measure of himself and another measure of love. And I'm just so thankful for it and so blessed by it. And I look back and I see how he, how he has been working me this direction and those of you that have walked with God, you see how He works in your life year after year, circumstance after circumstance to make you into who you are today. And I just can't wait for another 10 years. I don't know what He's going to do, but I'm ready. I love it. I love the Word of God. I. I just I, for 19 years that I've been serving in this church, I, I've always had the Word of God just burning into my heart, and uh, I've been thankful to to teach and uh, preach overseas quite a bit on mission trips, and there's always been the Word of God just it just burning inside me, and I, without fail when I'm in the, in the morning early reading God's Word and having my quiet time, it's like that line between heaven and earth that just blurs. It just, just you're in heaven. And of course, you got to come back, <laughs> but it's great it's great. It was really awesome this this uh, summer summer in the psalms at the park um, I think 12, 13 men shared out of psalms this this year, and it was great these men they handled the word of God, it was incredible and some of them uh, that i that I spoke to they were they were crushed under the load of it. They they almost didn't do it because it was so heavy. And I thought that's exactly that's exactly how how I feel. That's exactly how it should be. The word of God, that's what it is. It's this powerful thing and and when you when you get to share it, when you get to preach it, it's a it's a big deal. It's God's word. And I love it. Love God's word. You know, I I found myself in a in a crazy place, I, I grew up a, a Christian. I got saved when I was just a little kid. I was, I was actually three years old. And it was like plain as day to me. It's one of those memories. You know, you don't, you don't retain tons and tons of memories from that age. But I, that memory is just clear to me at three years old accepting Jesus into my heart and knowing how much I needed him and, and I can remember it was like this view up here, I was getting baptized and I could see all the people and wave at my parents and and remember wondering when I came out of the water, like what, you know, what what now? What next? And I had that the faith as a child, just just seeing God and, and understanding how much I needed him, that simplicity. But even in, in elementary school and, and early, early junior high, uh, God answered some prayers for me, some deep Intimate prayers for me, he answered them miraculously. And I can remember just looking in the mirror in my room and looking at myself in the mirror and and. Recognizing and acknowledging how God had answered this prayer and just being mind blown as a young young boy at god 's answer to my prayers and and it impacted me greatly and i, I mean I, I was bewildered by it i was i was I was uh in, you know really really i 've read about this God in the Bible, and I learned about him in Sunday school and they put the little felt characters up, but it happened to me like this God does he hear me my My view of God began to to be shaped, begin to, to be formed, to be altered. But like all of us, there was also some difficulties in my life. I, I had a, a really, really difficult upbringing for a lot of reasons, a lot of different reasons. Uh, and then it was just hard. It was traumatic at times. It was, it was just, you don't even realize it as a child, but it crushed me. Crushed me in so many ways, and so I would often find myself in the throes of of sin, in the throes of of those things, while still knowing God here, while still knowing for a fact that the Holy Spirit was in me, still wanting His will for my life, yet yet weighed down with sin, sometimes carnal, corrupt, sometimes wicked and evil, even, but yet God was. He was there. He was. He was calling me. He was reaching me. It's kind, of a, it's kind of a glorious thought that I want us to, to settle on. I'm taking some time before we, we get into Hebrews chapter 12, which is what we're going to learn from today. But I want you to, to put yourself in the place of who you are. I look around this room, and man, you're, you guys are unique. You're different. Every person is different from the next with different experiences and different backgrounds, different places in life how you view the world right now it's it's different than how another person views the world and it's for good reason cuz you're different and i want you to think about how god he loves that about you he loves that you're different he made you unique he's proud of his creation in you he's proud of how he made you he he saw you being formed and saw you being made in your mother's womb and he was he was he was excited that's the god we serve he's the god of intricacies and delicacies and uniqueness. It's not this general one size fits all God. It's a million, a, there's seven billion sizes on this earth right now. Seven billion of them and he loves every one of them so much. Can you accept that about yourself? You okay with that? Because <laughs> you need to be. Because that that God works in your life in the same way that he made you. Some some, he kind of put the hammer down on them sometimes to make them change. Others, he waits long, long time, decades to change them. He endures our failures. He endures our sin. He walks along with us. He's merciful and gracious, and he, he works in our life and, and, and assures our insecurities. When we tell him time and time again, I can't do that, I'm not made like that, I can't, he, he endures that and shows us day by day, year by year. He doesn't care about time. Decade by decade, you can. You can. Nicole and I, we met in college and by the time I was in college, I I was in the I had had rejected the church entirely. All of it. No church. I, I, I knew God. I knew He was in me. I prayed, especially when I was in trouble. And I, I reached out to him in my time of need. And I knew, I yearned for him. I wanted to impact this world. I did. Uh, but I, I wasn't going to have anything to do with you people. Period. I was done. And Nicole and I, we, I, we went in college. And I knew the day I met her that I was going to marry her. I mean, the day. That's going to be my wife. She did, it took her longer. But... Uh, <laughs> I was too chicken to marry her because I was living in sin in every way of my life. and every aspect of my life was full of sin, and I knew I wasn't that dumb. I was dumb, but not that dumb. I knew that I couldn't marry this girl and not have my heart right. I just knew that wouldn't work. I knew that uh, the the so so I dilly dallied around for like three years before I finally got to the place where I was sick of my sin, sick of the garbage life that I was living, and I was ready to to get my heart right. And so I started getting my heart right and, and uh, God started like speaking to me in big ways. I wasn't even really fully living right. I was, still had a bunch of garbage in my life. Don't you love that about God? He takes you exactly how you are in the moment you are. And I had all this garbage in my life still and wasn't living, wasn't living right in so many ways. But I opened up the Bible and just started reading from Genesis. And I didn't get very far. And there was Moses standing at the burning bush. He's standing there at this burning bush. And God's speaking to him out of the burning bush. And I'd read that story a hundred times, seen it on the felt board a hundred times, even in my Bible studies and, and, and homeschool, had read that story a hundred times, but never had I recognized in that moment how old Moses was. He was 80 years old when that happened to him. He was 80. I'm like, whoa, he's 80. And it was like God audibly said to me, how old are you gonna be when you decide to serve me? And that was the moment. That was the moment that the tide shifted for me that I started changing, that I started recognizing. You know, I, was, I was 23 at the time and I started realizing man I, I need to get at this i don 't want to be forty i don 't want to be fifty i don 't want to be eighty I began to God began to use that to ponder my life and ponder who I was going to be and Nicole and I started a premarital counseling, and it was this dear man, a good good friend of mine, pastor blessed me my whole life, one of the only ones at that time that had any credibility in my life and He just led us back to Jesus. Come on, you two boneheaded kids, come back to Jesus. And we, we started giving everything back to him and giving our lives back to him. And, uh, we got married in October of 2003 and uh, I was, uh, I was finishing my last year of college for pre-law. I was going to go to law school the following year and getting all ready to, to do those things. And, uh, I was just over here. We lived on a house on Poplar Street, just two blocks away, straight, straight across from the church here, two blocks away. And I was just walking my dog after we had got back from our honeymoon. And I was finally at that place where there was no, no junk, no garbage in my life. And I, and I was just ready. And I said, God, what do you want for me? And he said, drop out of law school. And do what you're doing. I had a, a landscape company at the time. It was running out of my garage, just this tiny little company, a couple of lawnmowers and some trailers and stuff like that. And God said, You're doing it. Go do, go do that. I was excited because God told me that. And I remember standing in front of the mirror as a, a young, young elementary school boy looking at myself in the mirror, saying, God, did God really? you really answer my prayer? And it was the same feeling I had there. And I went the next day and dropped out of law school and uh, never looked back. And I, I knew that I was supposed to carry my business on to be a ministry to men because I had six or seven, eight guys working for me at the time when they were lost like crazy. And uh, I knew, I knew exactly what I was supposed to be doing. I was supposed to be about God's kingdom and about, about doing his work and, and, Immediately, uh, me and Nicole and I moved this guy and his and his four kids into our basement. <laughs> that worked for me. It was pretty wild <laughs> he was pretty wild it, it, it didn 't end well, but he he got saved and he got baptized in our church and uh, uh, it, it was it was just we were ready we, we just dove headlong into what God wanted and and seven men turned into fifteen men into twenty men into into 30 men and, and to this day to this day I get the opportunity to pray for these guys and pray for the women that work for me and 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 invest myself into them with love and it's incredible but it didn't didn't happen until I was standing over here on the street near a street light and I realized that God wanted me to be part of his kingdom. He wanted me. Not, not this general idea, but me, actually me. Are you guys, are you understanding that concept coming from that place where you're unique and you're different and you know it and you've been pursued by God differently and you know it? Your story's not the same as mine and you know it? It's special and crazy and intense and he wants You. It's, your, it's you getting to that place where you, you have this understanding of what the kingdom of God is. What is the kingdom of God? And how does it relate to your kingdom? You know, because everybody has a kingdom. A kingdom. It doesn't matter if you're rich or if you're poor. You have a kingdom. You know, I was, in, I was riding a, a motorcycle hundreds, hundreds of miles from any civilized town in 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 dr congo a few years ago helping this this doctor this missionary doctor and i was we we just rode up we're riding up this mountain in the mountains of congo and there's this guy and he's he's literally with all his might i mean he is stretched out behind this this uh this bicycle and he's got a hundred pounds of corn flour on this bicycle it's like huge bag of corn flour and he's He's just stretched out, pushing this thing up this hill. And we stop, and we ask him, well, what are you, where are you going? Because <laughs> we're in the middle of nowhere. He tells us he's going to this town, MOBA. It was like 20 miles away, 30 miles. It was so far away. I'm like looking at my GPS like, man, what are you doing? He had a plan. <laughs> he told us his plan. He had 100 pounds of cornmeal, and he was taking that, and he was going to buy himself some salt, some shoes, and a new hoe for his garden where regrew that corn because, you know, you got to have money to buy those things. You can't grow those things. You can't grow salt and, and shoes and, and a hoe. And so he was, he was going to MOBA to do that, and he was, he was serious about it, and he was pretty proud of himself about it. It was important to him. His life was vested in it. He had days to go What's your kingdom? You know, it's these things. It's your, it's your work. It's your job. It's your kids. It's your life. It's your pride. It's your insecurities. Everybody has a kingdom. But can your kingdom be shaken? That's the question that the text is going to ask us today in chapter 12 of Hebrews, starting in verse 18. For you have not come to what may be touched and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly, the church, of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, his blood, that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. So, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray. God, help us see you today, see your kingdom today. Lord, and let us be impacted by this scripture that we would come to your kingdom and let everything else melt away. Help us see it. Amen. These first verses in verse 18 he's he's telling them for you have not come he's telling us for you have not come to this kingdom a kingdom that can be touched a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and tempest he's talking about the Israelites. The the Israelites were this people that uh, were were God's chosen people. God had, had set his promise on these people and he promised this dude. This is random, seemingly random dude. Abraham. He promised him, "You are going to be the greatest nation on earth. I'm going to make your people the bigger than the stars of the sky and the sand of the sea. I'm going to give you all this land. You're going to be special. You're going to be holy. You're going to be my people, and I'm going to be your God." And Abraham believed him, and he lived his life, and. His life and his son's life kind of wove through some things, and it didn't make any sense to to him or them because they weren't, you know, they were just one family on this earth. And eventually they, they wandered into Egypt. Remember their son, Joseph, he, he was pretty much the hero of Egypt. He saved them from this famine because he, he interpreted the future, and he told them the, the future, that there was going to be these famines. And so they, they got ready, and uh, the, in getting ready, the whole earth was essentially saved, and Egypt was made filthy rich because of it, because they were able to sell their grain to all these people. And so Joseph's family was invited to come to to Egypt, and there was seventy of them seventy people came to egypt, and they were they got a hero 's welcome. But things devolved quickly they they uh, were pretty blessed and the, the Egyptians didn 't like that and As time went on, and their population grew from seventy to hundreds of thousands, the Egyptians made them slaves and began to begin to oppress them. Imagine what they were thinking about those promises at that time. 400 years goes by and they're still slaves. I mean, when you think about that from a a sociology point of view, there was this mentally destructive, physically destructive, spiritually destructive, changing the, the genetic fabric even of these people by this severe oppression that the Egyptians laid on them. For 400 years, I mean, generation after generation after generation. This country, America, was, was barely a blip. It wasn't a country yet. It was just barely a blip of, of civilization happening here. All that time went by and they were nothing but slaves, denigrated. But God didn't forget. And these people I mean I, I, it doesn 't say that they, they prayed, but they didn 't know a lot about God by this time they They had been oppressed severely, but God heard their prayers, the ones that prayed, and he came and he saved them and, and If you know the story, it was with ten crazy acts he saved them and just altered altered the fabric of Egyptian society. He destroyed. Everything that was great about the Egyptians, systematically, he went down the list and destroyed all their greatness, wiped it off the face of the earth, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart every time with his sovereign hand, and the Egyptians continued to persevere in their oppression of the Israelites. And eventually, with one final act, God kills every firstborn in the entire country of Egypt, and just Devastates them to the place that the Egyptians basically worshipped the, they they worshipped God by worshipping these people. They gave them offerings. They gave them their gold. They gave them, they gave them everything they needed. They gave, they made these slaves who had nothing fairly wealthy and said, now go. Here's our appeasement offer. These people, these, these slaves, they're watching this happen. They're seeing this God like they, they understood what a great God God was. Make no mistake, they watch this unfold before their very eyes as they're walking away with all this stuff that their neighbors gave them under their arms. And then they watch one, one last thing as Pharaoh's heart is hardened yet again. He, he, he chases them to the Red Sea, and they walk through with 200-foot-tall walls of water on each side. Imagine that, walking through the, the, the walls of water, and, and the, the Pharaoh of Egypt is so stupid that he chases them through, and the water collapses these people understood how great god was they they could tell it wasn't it was evident to all so it's been 3 months 3 months where where this is talking about in verse 18 and god tells them through moses he tells them i'm going to make you a kingdom of priests a holy nation and they said we want that we want that he said i'm going to make you a kingdom of priests I'm gonna begin this kingdom in you today. So get ready, he tells him, and he tells him to go do some stuff, go go wash your clothes, and 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 get your hearts ready, get prepared, because I'm gonna come down this mountain. Now where they were at looks like uh, out by Independence Rock. If you've ever been out there, out by Independence Rock, where it's just like desert, and then these these. These rocks just jut up out of the ground. It's this rugged, desert, rocky, craggy place. That's where they were at. And God descends down on one of those crags. If you can see one of those mountains out there, it was just, you know, they, they think they found Mount Sinai. Maybe they have, maybe they haven't. They found one where the top is burned. And they, they said, that's the one. Because <laughs> he comes down on top of it, and he just, he just lights it up. There's fire and smoke and thunder and a trumpet blaring. And the people are astounded by this. And, and God tells them, don't touch the mountain. It's holy, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Don't cross and touch the mountain. If, if you touch it, you die. He said, even if an animal, if your dog runs across the border and touches the mountain, you have to stone the dog. People are like, wow, that's incredible. they were interested. They were excited. They wanted to see God. They couldn't see him in there. It was clouds and smoke and fire and a trumpet blowing. They probably imagine him in there blowing the trumpet and they're like, where is he? They wanted to see him and they, they pressed up. And I imagine, it doesn't say they built a fence. There was a border, but I would imagine with two million people, they probably just built a fence, you know, like don't pass the line. But they're, they're, they're on this edge and they're, they're leaning against the fence and they're looking in, trying to see through the the smoke and the lightning and the crashes, they want to see God. They want to see him. And he tells them, I'm going to speak to you audibly, my commands. I'm going to speak to you. And, And the reason why he told them he was going to speak to them audibly is he says, because you'll believe me forever. I'm going to speak to you audibly. And they said, we want, we're ready. We want that. And they're leaning against it. Moses, he, he goes up on the mountain, and God actually tells him at one point, go back down there and tell those people to get back. They're going to break through. And I, I picture like at those European soccer games where all the people push so hard against, the, against each other that they spill out and trample a bunch of people. and you know, th- like That's what was happening down there. He said they're going to break forth. This is what the, the words he used. They're going to break out and come up on the mountain. He said, and I'll have to kill them if they do. Can you see that? Why were they interested? Why did they want that God? I mean, why wouldn't you want that God? The one who had done these miracles. The one who had done great things. The one that has promised you now, I'm going to make you a holy nation. And they had all their, all their Egyptian neighbor stuff, you know. And it was great. It was an amazing God that they were, they were beginning to understand who he was. And they're pushing against this fence. And he's telling them, get back. And they might have even been confused about that. But you see, he, he then he speaks, and it all becomes clear. He speaks audibly to them. he, he says, "No other gods before me." I, I think, honestly, when he said that, there was no one leaning on the fence. In my, in my mind, knowing myself, I think everybody might have taken a step back in that moment, because everybody has a kingdom. He says, don't make idols. They had idols in their tents, idols from Egypt. They they brought the idols from Egypt with them. Many of them had them. Don't take the names Lord in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. I really think by now there was probably some honest folk running. Running. I, I, I just can't imagine. I would have been one of them. Oh, better go. Don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, Don't speak a false witness against your neighbor. Don't covet. Don't desire the things that your neighbor has. Everybody was walking the other way by now. They were joining. They were getting together with their leaders. They were looking at each other. They were literally, some people were were, were probably on the ground, but they were all saying, we can't endure anymore. No more. We can't take this. If If you say one more word to us, we'll die. And they got together far away from the barrier. God was still on the mountain. The lightning, the thunder was still happening. The horn was still blowing, but they weren't there. They were, they were back, and they got their leaders together, and their leaders came to Moses when he came down, and they said, listen, man, we, we totally want to do whatever God says, but just don't let him talk. You, you have him tell you, and we'll do it. You tell us, because we can't endure him speaking to us again. Why? Why? the only people that ever got to hear the voice of God together like that audibly they couldn't handle God (laughs) they couldn't handle his expectations they couldn't handle his holiness it sends us running sent me running Thankfully, that's uh, verse 18. It says, for you have not come to that kingdom. <laughs> we, we, we can be thankful we haven't come to that kingdom. You don't have to. Let's read on. But instead, you have come, verse 22, to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering. <laughs> Mount Sinai was on fire. But Mount Zion, the kingdom that you're coming to next, it's, it's going to be, Jesus is going to be standing there. And he says that the, the temple that he builds there is going to be more beautiful than the temple that mankind's ever seen. And he's going to be there. And there's going to be innumerable angels there in festal gathering, getting ready for a celebration. Verse 23 says, and you've come to the assembly, the church, of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Where we're coming to is this. And where I got it wrong uh, those years was I, I thought that the, the church was these, these, some wicked people. It's the church of the firstborn. It's the church of, of the wicked people redeemed. It's the church of the sinners made holy in his eyes. The church of the ones who can stand and hear the Ten Commandments, and know that we've broken them all, but we've been redeemed. Verse 24 says, You have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Abel was the first recorded sacrifice. And of course, he he made a sacrifice to God, and it was acceptable to God because he made it in faith. And he even died because of that sacrifice. He he was killed by his brother Cain, who was jealous of him. But his his uh, sacrifice was good, and he's in heaven today because he made that sacrifice in faith. And that's the that was the way for them in faith to repent of their sins and be able to stand before a holy God. And some of those people that ran, I'm, I'm sure some of those people destroyed their idols. I'm sure some of those people repented. Many of those people began to follow God correctly as he, as he told Moses how to, how to teach them how to do that. Some of them didn't. Some of them were swallowed up by the ground later on for rebellion against God. They were all there. They were all God's chosen people, just like us. God's chosen people. But it's, it's the ones, it's the ones that are the firstborn enrolled in heaven. It's the ones that are made perfect. Are you made perfect? You know, we we need this. We need this part because none of this works. None of this would have worked if, if Jesus hadn't been looking down and and saying i'm going to to make this kingdom possible. And he he saw us in our uniqueness. He saw us in our in our differences. But there there was one common denominator that we all have that makes us the same and it's it's sin. And he loves us so much and he wants us to come to heaven. He wants us to be in heaven with him. And he he would gladly take all 7 billion people on the earth today right into heaven. But if he took us into heaven, what would we do in heaven? What would heaven be like with our sin in heaven? He couldn't let that happen. And we have to make a choice. Are we going to Run away from God and say, Don't don't talk to us, and you run when you run away from God like that, you run all the way to hell because you have to go to hell. You have to, God had to make a place to put people that were gonna reject him. He had to put them in a place, or else they would contaminate heaven. He made us with eternal souls. Every single person is going to last forever. They're going to exist forever. It's not complex. It's not complex at all, but it was difficult. It was was heart-wrenching for Jesus to make the decision that he made. I mean, you have to stop and think about why he would do that for you. What would it take for someone, a king, the God of the universe, to do that for you? What would they have to go through in their mind and in their heart to do that for you? And he wanted you. If you don't know Jesus here today, he wants you. It's no accident that you're here today. It's not by some circumstance you're here today. You're here because Jesus wants you. He wants you in his kingdom. He wants you to work in your life. He wants to make you into something new. He wants to alter your life. And you just heard me talk about how God has altered my life completely. He wants that. And he wanted that for every single person, and he, he's looking at these people, and he's saying, I want that for them, and he had to go make it for them. He had to make it for them by dying. He had to force it to become possible. He died on the cross, and it's like he wrote your sin down. It's like, it's like he wrote it down. Every single one He's like, I paid for that one, I paid for that one, I paid for that one. However many billions of times, billions of people, billions of sin, you're in you and your, your difference and your uniqueness, he knows all, everything about you, your sins past and present, and he had died for them. It was this cosmic thing that he had to do at this, this huge, inconceivable level so that his love for you could be activated, could be utilized by you. It's incredible. That's why the next verse, verse 25, you're you're accountable for this now. Christian, you're accountable for this. If you don't know Jesus is your savior and you're here today and you're questioning these things, you're accountable. It says, verse 25, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven i don't know why we refuse why why do we refuse I mean, why? why do you hold back christian why why are you why are you holding back from this kingdom what's what causes you in your uniqueness in your in your incredible intricacies Why do you hold back? Is it it pride? Is it fear? It's just apathy. What if these people? What if they hurt you? What if they? What if they? Disorganized. What if they? What if they don't do ministry the way that that they really should? What if they're hypocrites? that's what happened to me, that's, what I, that's why I refused, I, I just saw, I saw these people, and I, I grew up in a, I grew up in a hard, hard church, I shared this in the first service, and the, the longer, the longer that I've been in this church, 19 years, when I came into this church 19 years ago, well 20 years ago, I wasn't even living for the Lord. I I came with Nicole because her family grew up in this church and just come on Christmas and Easter, you know, to appease the family. And I came to church and I remember sitting under Pastor Mike and him taking the the word and thinking, walking out, thinking I've never felt so good about feeling so bad because I was convicted big time. I mean, I I was living in sin in every kind of conceivable way. And I was like, that man speaks truth. That man speaks love. And it felt good. I hadn't felt that. I don't know when I last time I felt that was. It was powerful. After the first service, this guy, he walked up to me. He's from Glen Rock, and he said, oh, so you went to that church, huh? The church doesn't exist anymore, but he went there, and he, he told me how hard it was for him. I'm sorry. I, it's It's heartbreaking. <laughs> It's heartbreaking. That God's church would, would cause wounding. That we would wound each other. The church would be the cause for people to, to fall away from the Lord. I mean, our sin has no boundaries, people. The evil one has has no limitations. That we would harm each other, that we would cause these things upon each other. It's it's painful, difficult. <laughs> but yet, Jorge, one of us, he's out preaching the Prince of Peace right now. And that church, Prince of Peace, it's it's struggling. It's in a hard place. It's it's this close from, from shutting down. It probably should have shut down, actually. But no. God is working there. He's reviving that place. Praise God. He doesn't give up on his church. He doesn't give up. He doesn't. He won't. It's his church. It's his kingdom. And it wasn't, it wasn't until I realized that. And whether you grow up in a, I look at my youth group and these kids and I tell them you guys are spiritual rich kids. You know, they just are. They're spiritual rich kids. And my nieces and nephews grew up in this church. And I tell them, you're spiritual rich kids because they've grown up in a good church with good preaching and good teaching. And godly people who I've witnessed for 19 years turn me into a better man. And they're turning these kids into better kids. And I'm like, don't take it for granted. You're a spiritual rich kid. And God put you in this church to do great things with you, not so you can sit back and and, and enjoy the goodness of a good church. And you've been given so much in this church. And you, you adults, it's the same. We're all spiritual rich kids. Praise God for what he's done in this place. It's his kingdom. And when I realized that, I stopped refusing. Just don't refuse. Don't refuse because he's got got work to do. Verse 26, he says, At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. He's, he's talking about Haggai, uh, who's a prophet, and uh, after the Israelites became the greatest nation on earth and everything was great, they, they, they were the spiritual rich kids, you know, and they fell away from the Lord because their life was so good and God blessed them so much and they took it for granted and became wicked and then God wiped them off the face of the earth in judgment. Whew. Careful, spiritual rich kids. And uh, Haggai, he he got to come back because you know God's faithful; His kingdom prevails, and so He brought His people back a long time later after being in captivity. He brings them back, and He lets them rebuild the temple, and. They're struggling with how to rebuild the temple. And I love that whole passage because th- they were struggling with how to rebuild this temple just like how we're struggling how to, how to do ministry. It has never changed. The world's never changed in those ways. And Haggai uh, chapter, uh, Haggai chapter, it's probably up behind me there. Chapter two. There's only a couple chapters there, verses 6 through 9. He says to Haggai, for thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. That's what we have to look forward to. That's the future. I mean, we, we ought to be able to just sign up for what God has in his kingdom here because we, we, we see the future. That's what he's telling them, and there's going to be peace, this world, the difficulties in every one of you, I look around and I, I know some of your struggles. I know many of your struggles. I, I, and I look at the people that I don't know that I've just met today, and I know you have struggles. How could you not? This place is hard. But we have, we have the future, and there's gonna be peace. So you have to ask yourself as you sit here, How does your kingdom relate to his kingdom? Are you going to let him shake up your kingdom so that his kingdom can remain? We can't endure a holy God, right? That's what it says. His holiness makes us run away from him. But you know, he he loved us so much. He died for us. He made a way. You're sitting in the kingdom of God right now. This is it, right here. He's gonna shake it up, though. I hope he's shaking up our hearts right now. I hope he's getting us to a place where we're ready right now to, to, to respond to this. Man, in, your, in your, your beautiful, intricate, delicate, unique place that you are, you are. I love it. He's ready. He's ready to do some things. You can respond in these next two verses if you want, if you're ready. It says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray. God, (sighs) thank you Lord, we are so in need of you, Father. Each one of us, where we are in our struggles and our places, God, we need you we need you to work in us. We need you to help us, we need you to grow us. We can't do it without you, Father. We can't grow your kingdom. We can't be in your kingdom. We can't even be part of this church, Lord, if we aren't able and ready to let you work in us, Father. Let us worship you with reverence and awe. Let it be acceptable with pure hearts that you made clean by your blood. Thank you for being our God. Amen. If you need to come forward and do business, stand up on your feet and worship the Lord. And We'll be down here.
5: Jesus, you are mercy. Jesus, you are justice. Jesus, You are worthy. That is what You are. You died alone to save me. You rose so You could raise me. You did this all to make me a chosen
1: child of God. Worthy is the. to receive all
5: son to make me a chosen child.
1: my god for who
4: for us. Praise you Jesus for dying on the cross for our sin. Praise you Jesus for coming down and taking an interest in us and drawing us in all these ways to us. Father, praise you. Glorify your holy name. I lift you up and praise you. You are worthy of everything. I love you. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Have a good day.